remember called her uncle to be up here for the holiday Jane and I were having solstice Now we need a place to stay And her Christ-loving uncle watched his wife hang Mary on a tree He watched his son hang candy canes all made with red dye number three he told his niece, it's Christmas Eve, I know our life is not just style She said, Christmas is like solstice, and we miss you, and it's been a while So the Christians and the pagans sat together at the table Finding faith and common ground, the best that they were able And just before the meal was served, hands were held and prayers were said Sending hope for peace on earth to all their gods and goddesses The food was great, the tree plugged in, the meal had gone without a hitch Till Timmy turned to Amber and said, is it true that you're a witch? His mom jumped up and said, the pies are burning, and she hit the kitchen And it was Jane who spoke, she said, it's true, your cousin's not a Christian But we love trees, we love the snow, the friends we have, the world we share And you find magic from your God, and we find magic everywhere so the Christians and the pagans sat together at the table Finding faith and common ground, the best that they were able Now where does magic come from? I think magic's in the learning Cause now when Christians sit with pagans, only pumpkin pies are burning Tried to do the dishes Her aunt said, really, no, don't bother Amber's uncle saw how Amber Looked like Tim and like her father He thought about his brother How they hadn't spoken in a year He thought he'd call him up And say it's Christmas and your daughter's here He thought of father's sons and brothers Saw his own son tuck his sleeve Saying, can I be a pagan? Dad said, we'll discuss it when they leave so the Christians and the pagans sat together at the table Finding faith and common ground, the best that they were able Lighting trees in darkness, learning new ways from the old And making sense of history and drawing warmth out of the cold Are you ready for the end of the world? Sure, as usual. Listen to Your Community Spirit, the show about caring, sharing, and, well, preparing for the changes needed in the world as we know it. Yes. Let's bring back the circle again, the circle of friends, the circle of family, the circle of being. Wake up! Yeah, wake up. Wake up. Wake up to the peace and joy of Mother Earth. You are listening to Your Community Spirit. Well, the show about envirosocial talk. Yes. <laughs> and we are going to turn into this week, well, we have been slowly, slowly over the last month into talk radio because <laughs> we've had the five stupid celebrity how to save the planet quotes of the decade and the five top aphrodisiacs in your kitchen yes and that's not you <laughs> you're number six <laughs> well you should be number one yeah 
Uh, well, I'm the number one in my kitchen. I, you, th- our listener, they may just be the number six. I don't know. <laughs> when I meet them, I'll find out. So, um, this last week, I actually am a little disappointed in people. Because people kept saying Merry Christmas. Mm-hmm. Did they not realize that this week is Hanukkah? So it should be people were saying Happy Holidays to me. Yeah. I try to... I try to, if I don't know what someone believes in, or if I'm just saying something generally, I'll say Happy Holidays. And if I know someone's a Christian, I'll usually say Merry Christmas. If I know, you know, they celebrate Hanukkah, I'll say Happy Hanukkah. You know, if I know they celebrate the solstice, I'll say Happy Solstice. <laughs> You're so confusing. <laughs> Why don't you just say Happy Holidays? Yeah, well, that's my general default. Then if I know more about the person, I might say more. Yeah, see, I say good day because I don't know if it's morning or night or evening. Yeah. It just <laughs> solves that problem. Well, I might, uh, occasionally I might do something like with, wish an atheist Merry Christmas, because then they know that I celebrate solstice and they don't celebrate Christmas, so then, you know, they'll get all confused. I'll say, wait a minute, hmm. <laughs> and they'll start thinking. Yeah, see? And I like to make people think. Well, normally Hanukkah doesn't fall on Christmas. But this week, I mean, it started on Sunday evening and it goes to Sunday evening. Yeah. And... So just the idea that I was making jokes to people. Everybody said Merry Christmas. I was like, oh, that's today? I didn't know. <laughs> Nobody got it. Yeah. Everybody was just like, what? Are you like, dense? <laughs> How did you not know? That would be like me saying, you know, Happy Hanukkah to somebody, and they'd be like, what? It's today? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's a good way to get people to think, but it sounds like it took them a while. Truth be told, I didn't know when Hanukkah was either. I celebrate everything. Mm-hmm. So... This has been like a good week because the solstice was on this week. Yeah. Um, Hanukkah's on this week. Christmas is on this week. Um, Kwanzaa starts today, I think. Today's the 26th. I think Kwanzaa starts today. Um, And all the... How come we don't have 12 days of Christmas? What happened to that? Because that was was a pagan way of... Celebrating Christmas? No, I don't remember. Where I I'm gonna get kicked out of the uh, interfaith uh, knowledge <laughs> club, but <laughs> I don't remember where the twelve days of Christmas comes from. I think it was I think it was you know a celebration of the time of the light, right? Mm-hmm. The solstice came. I mean, I'm starting to get excited because the days are getting longer now. Yeah, and, and I just looked it up. Kwanzaa does start today. Hey, I remembered something else. So we get to wish people happy Hanukkah and happy Kwanzaa and happy day after Christmas. I just, I've been saying, instead of even happy holidays, I've just been saying, be merry, not the person. Like, be merry as in be happy. So, all right. Oh, okay, oh, I, I just looked it up. It's the time between uh, uh, Christmas and Epiphany. Epiphany? Yeah. It takes 12 days to get to Epiphany? <laughs> yep. It's like, what if you have an Epiphany in the rest of the year? <laughs> well, that's, uh, we, we could go out a whole discussion of what epiphany is then i would like to find yeah. out yeah all right we're you gonna do a uh, website well you can even do what that's how i found in 12 days of christmas do a google well an, an internet search <laughs> you they get, got me you have to do a good search a good search yeah go to good search <laughs> so you can support charities by searching through good search <laughs> will do all right let's get to our five stupid celebrity how to save the planet's quote of the decade and then of course we're going to do the top green stories of the year if we can squeeze them all in, because there's a lot of green stories of the year. 
As we get closer to shutting down the first decade of the millennium, we have many fond celebrity comments that have echoed across the headlines and made us all laugh. Well, most of us anyway. Here's the one of the top five celebrity How to Save the Planet's Quotes of the Decade, Cheryl Crow says, I've spent the better part of this tour trying to come up with easy ways for us all to become part of a solution to global warming. Although my ideas are the earliest stages of development, they are in my mind worth developing. I propose a limitation be put on how many squares of toilet paper be used in any one sitting. Only one square per restroom visit, except, of course, on those pesky occasions that two or three could be required. <laughs> one square. Yeah. Um, the source was echoraza.com. Now, we can really appreciate she, that she already said that this comment was just a joke. You know? Yeah. Because we sure we ha- she wishes that this stupid quote would quit being dragged out of the porcelain throne again and again and uh-huh. again. Yeah. But what the heck? This is a good one. It's a backed up media toilet. I can actually teach somebody how to use the old Indian trick of using one square of toilet paper. Uh-huh. It is pretty gross. <laughs> but there is a way of using one Do square of toilet do you use both sides? <laughs> Do you use both sides? <laughs> oh, tree song. Oh, God, it worries me. No, you cut a hole in the center and you stick your finger through the... That's as far as I'm going. So, all okay. right. Do, yeah. you, do what I read. Uh, the rest of the celebrity quotes, or are we just going to keep doing one per week? Yeah, I think let's just do one per week. Then we can, like, tantalize people like most talk shows do. Yeah. Stay tuned next week for the top five celebrity stupid... <laughs> Top five celebrity, how to save the planet, quote of the decade. Dun, dun, dun. We need sounds of explosions. <laughs> that didn't work. So, we are on top four. We are on number four of the sexy aphrodisiacs. Yes, WDBX is getting pretty sexy. We're up to four surprisingly effective all-natural aphrodisiacs. Well, we're right now we're up to three, but we're, we're on the verge... You know, we're, we're about to reach the fourth one. All right, put your porn voice on, Treesong. Sexy ingredient number four, chocolate. <laughs> that was not a porn voice. <laughs> chocolate. <laughs> you knew it was going to be on here. And really, what self-respecting list of sexy natural aphrodisiacs could leave out chocolate? Is there anything sexier than a drizzle of the finest natural organic chocolate you can get your hands or mouth on? Chocolate is thick. Smooth, creamy, and delicious. But you already knew that. And if you didn't, I don't know where you've been all your life. <laughs> it's also believed to be a natural source of phenylethylamine, PEA, the same feel-good chemical that the body naturally produces during those first moments of falling in love. Really? Yeah. So every time you eat chocolate, you fall in love again? Yes. That's why I fall in love with chocolate all over again, every day. Uh, some studies even suggest that devouring chocolate stimulates the same feelings in the brain as making love. So, got some chocolate? Yeah, there's there's even... I would recommend to everyone a book called Naked Chocolate. Both because of the, the sensual aphrodisiac title and because of the wealth of information it contains. It's got recipes, it's got history, it's got science. Because it talks about there's also uh, antidepressant effects to chocolate. There's, like, health effects. People think of chocolate as being unhealthy, but it's the stuff you add to it, like uh, like the, the refined sugar, 
uh, the, the processed milk and all that. That's the unhealthy part. Chocolate's only unhealthy if you do like like a overload, like if you drink too much coffee. And you can do the same with uh, chocolate and eat like three bars of chocolate and you get all wired like, ah. <laughs> it's like, you're, you're yeah. Yeah. But so. it's good stuff and it's very sexy ingredient. That's so what made me so sexy is eating all that chocolate. So should we go, f- yeah, let's save the sexy ingredient number five for next week. Yes. See how tantalizingly tasty we are? Next week, we reach the climax of the aphrodisiac list. Five surprisingly effective all-natural aphrodisiacs that you probably have in your kitchen. Surprisingly sexy ingredient number one, cornstarch, otherwise known as liquid silk. Not liquid silk. Mm-hmm. I guess that's what they... They didn't say liquid silk. I think, actually, they did say liquid silk. Mm-hmm. Surprisingly sexy ingredient number two, tomatoes. Sexy ingredient number three, avocados. And sexy ingredient number four is chocolate. Mm-hmm. At this rate, they might kick us off the AM radio and send us to the late night. <laughs> <laughs> it's like... My brother asked, uh, did they... They changed the rating on your podcast when you started off these lists. <laughs> <laughs> From no, this is this is all wholesome, all natural, sexy fun. Well, it's all tasty. Well, oh, yeah. cornstarch isn't very tasty. No, but it's it's very uh very delightful. You need it, okay. So, the top green stories of two thousand and eight. It must be something we ate. <laughs> it must be something we ate. Oh. Oh, eight. <laughs> oh, eight. We'll no longer be able to use that joke. Yeah. Well, we, we still got... Uh, well, is the last time we'll use it on the radio, actually. In a sense, there was only one story in 2008, and what a story it was. Extraordinary promise, shattered illusions, and ultimately triumph. We're, of course, talking about Britney's recovery. Oh. And then there was that election. What a ride, eh? Packed with more drama than a telenovela chuck full of rhetoric on energy and the environment and long enough for all of us to lose our minds oh. just a little bit. Just a little bit. Remember the gas tax holiday fight? Drill, baby, drill. Or when McCain scoffed over concerns that nuclear power could be safe for disposal. Disposable or something like that. Remember Sarah Palin? Oh, no, I try not to. <laughs> the Bush administration's recent midnight regulation bonanza seems to post... post- Dariously perfect way to cap eight years of doom and gloom with a sense of, well, doom. If it hadn't been for Stephen Johnson, the headlines, my God, the headlines, we might might not have made it. But as we look back on the year's top stories and ahead to next year, we get a little weird little tickle in our guts. Is this what we call hope? Or did I eat too much food for the holidays? Is that contagious? Maybe we should get it looked at. So, it must be something we owe eight. Yes. The top green stories of 2008. Yes, let's go with number ten. Baby bottles. They get an A for effort. (laughs) But Fisphenol A finally gets the bad rep it deserves. It's in your kitchen, and it's also in the doghouse. This year saw increased scrutiny of plastic hardener Bisphenol A, which is found in products ranging from baby bottles to soup cans, and has been fingered for messing with reproduction, interfering with chemo, and contributing to heart disease and diabetes. In the spring, Canada's health department 
said it would declare BPA a toxic substance, while U.S. regulators went back and forth on it all year and continue to do so. Meanwhile, Nalgene pledged to stop using the stuff, while major retailers, including Walmart and Toys R Us, said they'd quit putting P- BPA-filled baby bottles on their shelves. I love it, all the people who had these, like, plastic bottles that they were, like, super safe, and it turns out, well, plastic is not safe because yeah. it's made from toxic materials, mm-hmm. no matter how safe they say it is. Yeah. I actually can taste the taste of plastic. All right. Number nine, chicken. Who you calling chicken? Mm-hmm. California vote for more humane farming. After both sides spent big bucks egging voters on, California made history by passing Proposition 2 and thereby giving farm animals the right to turn around and lay down in their cages. Hmm. What's next? Hippies hand-feeding them arugula? The new guidelines which apply to, quote, egg-laying hens, calf-raised for veal, and pregnant pigs inspired pre-election support from the likes of Oprah, the New York Times, and others who hoped a win might provide a national model for more humane farming. The national victory, on the other hand, inspired squawky protests from Big Ag. The rules take effect in 2015. (laughs) (laughs) So all the animals currently in those pens are going to die in torment, but they're their children, or their children's children. Well, let's see. Chickens, it'd be like... 50 generations from now. Yeah. <laughs> One day, their people will be free. <laughs> so, number eight. Stop, start. Uh, let's see. Student eco-activism takes off. Uh, as, as they reported in a special series this fall, the Green Campus movement took off across the country in 2008. And we've had a couple stories on that. A lot of places have because it's taking off. From January's Focus the Nation Climate Teaching to December's Poznan Climate Conference, not to mention the powerful role of the youths, <laughs> the young people, uh, in November's election, uh, students are creating, as USA Today put it, quote, a youthquake. Youth, 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 youth. That should be the word of the year, youthquake. Youthquake. Because I'm feeling it. <laughs> it's a youthquake of climate <laughs> activism. They're cramming for eco in less wonky ways, too, through endeavors like green frats and bike share programs. Now, are those the, the less wonky or more wonky ways? <laughs> those are the more creative ways. As one Yale student we interviewed said, quote, the energy and the passion and the copious amounts of free time can all really help. <laughs> it's the perfect combination. Number seven, bottled water. O for P-E-T-E sake. Yes. For Pete's sake. For Pete's sake. Bottled water loses its luster. Oh. This was the year that America's love for bottled water finally began to dry up. Tests conducted by the Environmental Working Group and others found chemicals and other contaminants in leading brands. Thanks to enlarge to a campaign launched in late 2007 called Think Outside the Bottle, the U.S. Conference of Mayors resolved in June to phase out bottled water spending Calls for bottle bans came from college campuses, touring bans, and London Mayor Ken Livingston. Restaurants organized the Tap Instead Week to benefit UNICEF. And among all the H2O Pla, H2O Pla, <laughs> I like that, H2O Pla, <laughs> the growth in water, bottle water sales dribbled to a fraction of its former self. People didn't seem to realize that bottled water is actually tap water mm. put in a bottle. Yeah, usually. 
And even when it's not, you know, when it's that, you get the double whammy of whatever was in the tap water plus the plastic leaching. And even when it's like, you know, it really does come from a natural spring and it's the purest, most pristine in the world, you still get the plastic leaching because <laughs> it sits there on a shelf for six months and uh, it's not so pristine anymore. <laughs> okay, so number six, offshore oil platform. It's nothing, sac- it's nothing secret. Uh, I almost <laughs> had to mispronounce this. Like, it's nothing sacred. It's nothing secret. Uh, offshore drilling ban lifted. That doesn't sound good. <laughs> in a move that one environmental consultant called, quote, the biggest reversal of conservation and protection in the history of this country, Congress allowed a 27-year-old ban on offshore drilling to expire in October. The action, or inaction to be more accurate, opened more than 600 million acres of coastal waters to leasing and could allow drilling as close as three miles to shore. In order to fully untake, uneffect, <laughs> the un- <laughs> what? The, it's an unban rather than a, a ban, so... A fully untake, uneffect. The unban. That might be a double negative, but we'll go with it. <laughs> the unban had to be accompanied by the appeal of an executive ban first signed by George H.W. Bush. A step George W. Bush was only too happy to take. Oh, the father overthrows the son. The son overthrows the father. <laughs> uh, in the face of high gas prices, intense oil industry lobbying, and public pressure from John McCain and Newt Gingrich, the traditionally bipartisan ban stood little chance of surviving. However, fans of slick free seas take some small hope that the ban might be re-unlifted. <laughs> President-elect Obama recently said he was, quote, not thrilled with it, simply lapsing without thought to what we need to do to achieve energy independence. Slick free seas. Number five on the top green stories of Oh, wait. Green workers. That's right. Greenliness is next to godliness. Everyone talks about green jobs. You couldn't spit this year without hitting a green jobs advocate, which is better than hitting a green jobs applicant, which could be just cruel. The ubiquitous Van Jones talked up the topic all year, motivating listeners at events like Green Jobs, Green Jobs, Green Jobs, the the Dream Reborn, and Netroots Nation. Presidential contenders tossed out jobby sound bites while more and more Pauls and Enviro groups discussed green-leaning economic stimulus package, which will be, said House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, the first order of business in January when Congress reconvenes. And last but not least, the House's most energetic advocate for green jobs and environmental justice, Representative Hilda Solis, was nominated by Obama to be Secretary of Labor. Uh, that makes me think of a song. Green workers are the way to be. <laughs> Eco living is the life for me. I've never heard that one. It's like the Green Acres theme song, which not being a TV person, you may not be familiar with. No, but I, th- that's that's good. Yeah. I should develop it into a whole, if I knew the lyrics of the original, which I thankfully don't, <laughs> uh, I would develop it into a uh, competing song. There we go. Let's do it. Yeah. If you want to send us your Green Workers song, my email address is treesong at treesong.org. And guess what? You could be famous on this here radio station. Yes, we could announce your name, or we could keep it anonymous if you are, you know... Shy. A little shy, but a creative genius. <laughs> we like shy creative geniuses. We, we used to be ones. 
Especially the ones who were fond of our sexy aphrodisiacs segment. Yeah. We used to be shy, sexy geniuses. Now we're just sexy geniuses. <laughs> oh, wait. Yep. So let's see. Number four, red bus. Transit highs and lows. Gas prices seesaw and Americans drive less. Riding Rise the bus, riding the bus. Yes. The wheels on the bus go round and round. It's a very musical community spirit today. The wheels on the bus go round and round. The rise and fall of gas prices was more than a news story this year. It was a national roller coaster ride. We <coughs> did we all shout and scream when we were at the top of the <laughs> uh, the, the gas prices? I think we did. Not very many people did, actually. Yeah. Well, I think they they screamed with joy as they were going down and down and down. Uh, thanks to record high prices. At one point, oil hit $147 a barrel, and prices at the pump topped $4 a gallon. Americans drove 100 billion fewer miles between November of 07 and October of 08, compared to the previous year. Traffic deaths were down 10%. 10%, I say. Yes, 10% less people died in traffic. Public transit ridership hit record highs. SUV sales plummeted, and automakers sped towards smaller cars while their execs sped to Congress to beg for a bailout. Dramatically lower gas prices in the fourth quarter weren't even enough to get American drivers on the road again. But hey, give them time. They probably will. (laughs) (laughs) Or maybe they'll learn their lesson. We'll see. Okay, we got three minutes for the top three stories. Nancy Pelosi stands by Harry Waxman at the podium. Did we mention that Nancy Pelosi will cut (laughs) you... With Waxman as a wingman, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi takes climate from John Dingell. As the 110th Congress was getting start, John Dingell, Democrat from Otto, <laughs> then chair of the House Energy and, and Commerce Committee, sounded tepid about purchi- pursuing climate change legislation. The new Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, Democrat of California, noticed. First, she created the Select Committee on Energy Independence and Global Warming with Ed Markley, Democrat of Massachusetts, at the helm. Dingle scoffed that without subpoena power or legislative jurisdiction, the committee was as useful as feathers on a fish. <laughs> that might be the future. <laughs> Said committee spent the next two years putting the nation's experts on record, publicizing climate change impacts and solutions, and building consensus for serious action in the House. The consensus propelled climate champion and Pelosi ally Henry Waxman, Democrat of California, to victory in his November coup to replace Dingle as chair. Final score? Pelosi, two committees, Dingle, zero. Coda, as a grace vote, Waxman subsequently offered Dingle leadership of all health care initiatives before the committee. Okay. Okay. Number two, George Bush and Dick Cheney. Last minute. One minute. Yes. Bush administration pushes (laughs) through last minute anti-environment measures. Apparently, eight years of kicking the planet in the tender bits wasn't enough for the Bush administration, so they're using this last month in office to punch it in the face. How? Ow! Regulations at the dead of night. Uh, fun stuff like removing independent sign review from Endangered Species Act, easing restrictions on mountaintop removal mining, weakening clean air rules, uh, opening public lands in Utah, uh, guns in national parks, exempting factory farms from pollution rules, all sorts of nasty stuff. And pardoning a guy who killed three go- bald eagles. Oh, yeah, that yeah, one too. That was important. That was crazy. And so. that yeah, so now we have time for number one. Barack Obama, Obama mania, Obama takes over, Obama talks green, Obama, Obama, Obama. Oh. 
Did Obama mean all that pretty stuff he said about clean energy and climate change in the campaign and reiterate it since winning the election? Well, the year will come to tell the tale. He has already assembled a seasoned green team with Clinton EPA Administrator Carl Carol Bryoner in the new executive office to coordinate energy and environmental actions, three key positions, energy secretary, White House science advisor, and NOAA administration will be occupied by highly regarded professional scientists who have raised alarm about climate change, respectively. Mm-hmm. So, we will see. Yes, uh, we'll there. see. I think the number one should have been the youthquake, but... Yeah, youthquake. <laughs> there may be no magic, but this is, there are sure to be plenty of action in the next year. And if we fall prey to that tinkling, tinkling, tickle, <laughs> t- tickling sensation, we might inventure some hope of science, common sense, and competence at the helm of a ship that's been drifting blind for far too long. And the problem is, <laughs> we will have nobody to make fun of anymore. Yes, this has been a good eight years <laughs> for our show. Oh, give him time. I'm already busting out with the, the, the yes we can satirical versions like uh, immunity for the telecoms who spied on us. Yes we can. <laughs> <laughs> that kind of stuff. But we could, we could hope that things will go well and if they don't, we'll be here every Friday to keep an eye on things and make sure green stuff's happening. Hey, we can still talk about the good stuff. Oh yeah, we always celebrate the good stuff. I'm happy when I wake up in the morning and find out the world is one step further from ending. <laughs> I'm happy when I wake up in the morning and I'm awake. Yeah. Me that's too, that's the first step. Then I and then I check my pulse and I'm still alive. I'm alive. Step one and two of waking up. Yeah. And then step three and the rest of them kind of suck. But those mm-hmm. two are, whoa. Yeah. All right, I hope this has been exciting and informative half hour of your community spirit. Guess what? I'll see you again on the radio next year. Next year, in the future. See you in a year. I mean, next year. <laughs>